If you have your Bibles, would you just turn with me to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Brother Morgan and I are best friends and he texted me before church this morning. And he said, man, do you ever go to the pulpit and think, I hope this makes sense. I said, the better question is, do I ever not go to the pulpit and think, I hope this makes sense. And so my prayer today is, I hope this makes sense. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness I think that makes sense aren't you thankful he's a redeeming saving God now I want to go back into the Old Testament Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1 Jonah 3 and 1 and you don't have to turn there I'll read it quickly and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time aren't you thankful for second chances saying arise go unto Nineveh that great city and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time anybody in this house ever needed a second chance from God I think every hand ought to be raised on that one. Anybody ever needed a second chance from God? I don't know that I'll be a great preacher here today, but I pray that God would make me a great reacher. I want to reach for somebody in this house. I feel the love of God in this room. So you'll understand my title is we progress here this morning but I want to talk to you about the holiday of second chances and that's a holiday every person in this room gets to celebrate the holiday of second chances I'm going to ask you to lay your Bibles down and lift our hands and pray but I want to I want to hone in this prayer I don't want to just pray a general prayer Asking God to touch us and anoint us and move in this place. But I want to really focus in and, and dial in on the direction of this prayer. Here's, and I, I felt this in prayer this morning, but here's how I feel we need to pray here in this moment. How would you pray if you were the one sheep that left the 99? And you found out the shepherd was coming just for you. Can you pray like that in this house? Let's lift our hands. And I'm looking for, a, for that one sheet that knows that you're living on a second chance. Would you lift your voice? Come on all over the house.
God, I pray your mercy would be released into this house. God, I'm asking you right now that the love of God would saturate every individual in this room right now. Those that have wondered if you're done with them, if they're written off, if they're damaged goods, if there's any hope for them after failure. I bind the spirit of condemnation and shame right now by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for restoration in this house. I pray for redemption in this room. We believe you for it. Come on, would you put your hands together all over the house? If you're thankful that the shepherd left the 99 and he came and found the one. Come on, anybody remember the day you were that one lost sheep? Come on, I feel the father leaving the house. And he's running toward the prodigal. Come on, I wish somebody would just think about the day that Jesus found you. Would you rejoice in this house if you're thankful for the mercy of God? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In Exodus 12... We see where God instituted the first Passover. And in that Passover, the blood of a spotless lamb had to be spread over the doorpost of every home. And in verse 13, God speaks to them and says, The blood shall be to you for a token. Upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood. I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. It goes on into verse 26. And says it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you. What mean you by this service that you shall say. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. This was the first Passover that God instituted on the 14th day of the first month of the year. We understand that Israel was a type of the church and Egypt was a type of the world and it was the blood of a lamb that saved Israel from Egypt this first Passover was not just 
a method of salvation. But this first Passover became the standard that God set. And it was the established mark that his people were supposed to live up to and meet every year. When we journey further into the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 9, we see where it's time again for the people to obey the command of God and kill a lamb to observe the initial Passover that God instituted in Exodus chapter 12. Numbers 9 and 3 says, In the fourteenth day of this month at even, you shall keep it in his appointed season, according to all the rites of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof shall you keep it. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at even in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. But while... The majority obeyed God. There was a minority that disobeyed God. Verse 6 says that there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man. They could not keep the Passover on that day. They came before Moses and before Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, we are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore we kept back that we may not offer an offering unto the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel. And Moses, being the good shepherd that he was, said unto them, stand still. And I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord Spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that if any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. They were supposed to keep the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. But because they missed the mark, because they did not live up to the standard that God had set, God said, you're still going to keep the Passover, but it's not going to be on the 14th day of the first month. He said, it's going to be the 14th day of the second month. So when man missed the mark for the first Passover, God in his mercy instituted a second Passover. And today the Jews still observe this second Passover as what they call the holiday of second chances. So there were 
two reasons that a second chance was needed. The first reason that a second chance was needed was because they were in contact with a dead body. We know that when we are in Christ, old things are passed away or dead. Paul said we mortify, we kill the deeds of the flesh through the spirit and we are buried with him by baptism into death. And the second reason that they needed a second chance was because they were on a journey afar off. And Isaiah said that we all like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. We understand here this morning that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But while not all have missed the mark for the same reason, make no mistake about it here this morning, all have at some point in their lives missed the mark. Sometimes that old man that was buried in the blood of the Lamb resurrects and we find ourselves partaking of old habits and giving in to old desires and readopting old paradigms and other times we turn our back on the shepherd and leave the safety of the flock because we have turned to our own ways. The mark that God expects us to meet is missed when we return to what we were before the blood and we disconnect ourselves from God. Some live in contact with the dead or with their past self while Sitting on church pews on a weekly basis. They are the lost coin in the woman's house. They might be in the house, but they're still lost. Others have abandoned the safety of the church and the path that they walk is a path that God did not establish for their lives. And initially... They live in deception and they view this journey away from God as freedom to make their own decisions in their life. But the tragedy of it is they don't realize they'll now have to climb mountains God could have moved. They'll now have to navigate crooked paths that God could have straightened. They'll have to endure storms that God could have calmed and knock on doors that God could have opened and walk through darkness that God could have brightened and fight lonely battles that God could have won. But while these men who were defiled by death and had forsaken the flock and deserved judgment from God, there was something in them that desired to make things right with God. I believe that desire is in the heart and the motive of every person in this room today. Moses says to them, I'll hear what the Lord will command concerning you. So it's as if God says, I know you were supposed to kill a lamb on the 14th day of the first month, but you've missed that mark. 
And because you've missed the mark on the first month of the year, in my mercy, I have instituted a second Passover on the second month of the year. So instead of giving them judgment they did deserve, God gave them mercy they did not deserve. So, it is amazing to me this morning that God loved His people so much that He was willing to reschedule a generational covenant so that their failure did not have to be final. However, it would seem likely to believe that these men did not miss the first Passover the following year. Because when they did not participate in Passover this time, they did not know that God was going to give them mercy. It was their fear of God's judgment that caused them to make things right. Because godly sorrow works repentance every single time. So this holiday of second chances, this second Passover, it's more than just getting a do-over. But this holiday represents the power of repentance. They were not only repentant for being defiled by death and forsaking the flock, but they were repentant for disobeying God's command and missing the first Passover altogether. In other words, they were made better by their failure. So the holiday of second chances, it, it represents repentance. But can I tell you, it is so much more than turning over a new leaf and achieving forgiveness for past sins. But it is a reminder that it is never too late to, to make things right with God. So I don't know who is here today that is dealing with guilt and with shame and condemnation because of your past or because of a pattern of repeated failures in mistakes. But I want you to know that it is not too late for you to make things right with God. So repentance is it's the power to go back in time and redefine the past. Repentance literally, it transforms your yesterday. It means reaching back in time to change the significance and consequences of what happened. So that the end result is better than what would have been had that sin never occurred. After all, it was a repentant David in Psalm 51 who did not desire a clean heart until he realized the filth of his current heart. And we never read of the prodigal son returning back to the pig pen because it was the pig pen that birthed within him a deeper love for the comfort of home. Can I tell you that sometimes we don't realize the beauty of the glory of God until we have fallen short of the glory of God. But aren't you thankful today that God gave us something called repentance, which is the opportunity to be made better by our failure and by our mistake. Which is why I am thankful today that I can repent of my sins. And when I miss the mark, my repentant heart 
can cause God to move the mark. I want you to know here today that it wasn't man's choice to give them a second chance. It was God's choice to give them a second chance. We know that Satan is the tempter. And Satan tempts us through our flesh. And flesh is the vehicle that the devil uses to destroy the works of God. But flesh is also the vehicle that God uses to destroy the works of the devil. Because God took on flesh. And when that flesh was crucified at Calvary, it was the blood of Jesus that atoned the world's sin. And at Passover in the Old Testament, the blood of a lamb prevented judgment. And in the New Testament, it is the blood of Jesus that prevents judgment. The reason that God gave them mercy is because He was the only one with the power to redeem them. And because He was the only one with the power to redeem them, He was the only one with the right to judge them. So if we don't have the right to judge, If we don't have the power to redeem them, that means we don't have the right to judge them. But every time you extend mercy to somebody else, you are sowing a seed of mercy for your own life. I want you to hear me in this house. You may not have made the same mistake that somebody else has made. But whenever you extend mercy to them, you are sowing a seed of mercy for whatever failure it is that you're one day going to commit in your life. And so I'm preaching to somebody under the sound of my voice here today. You are all too familiar with your struggle. You know the things that are under the blood. You can hear the bleached bleached-stained bones rattling in the closet of your yesterday. You know all of the things that you have acquired in your past. You're aware of the baggage that you are carrying to church here today. But if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful that if you confess it, He gave you a promise that He will cleanse your life of every sin? And so when we repent, and I have noticed, I have noticed that this is one of the stumbling blocks of people that are seeking the Holy Ghost. They repent of their sins, and they can't wrap their minds around the fact that when they repented, God really did forgive them. And so they begin to beg God to forgive them, and plead God to give them the gift of the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you, condemnation comes from three places. It comes from ourselves it comes from other people and it comes from the enemy but it never comes from God Satan may condemn me other people may condemn me and I may even condemn myself but there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit I'm not redeemed by anyone or anything except the 
blood of Jesus Christ, which is the God that died for my sins. And so can I tell you, man did not get to decide the proportion of bloodshed at Passover. And man doesn't get to decide the proportion of bloodshed that covers a person's past. I want to preach to somebody here today. Only God can decide the amount of bloodshed that covers your life. And there's enough blood for your failure. Come on, I need some help in this house right now. He's got enough blood for your addiction. There's enough blood for your generational curse. There's enough blood for your failure, for your mistake, for your struggle. Aren't you thankful today that the blood still works? And so... He'll follow the lost sheep and he'll search for the lost coin. That's why David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not just when I'm living right, but when I fail and I make mistakes. The only reason we are here today is because somebody looked over your shoulder at some point and you realized, God just won't leave me alone. Moses was 40 years in the desert when he looked over his shoulder and saw a burning bush. God followed him into the wilderness. Jonah was a fugitive on a boat when he looked over his shoulder and saw the clouds brewing. God followed him into the belly of a whale. The disciples were rain-soaked and shivering when they looked over their shoulder and saw Jesus walking on the water. God followed them into the storm. An adulterous woman was about to be stoned to death until they threw her at the feet of Jesus and looked over her shoulder and saw him drawing in the sand. God followed her into sin. John was exiled to the island of Patmos when he looked over his shoulder and saw the sky split and a voice called him higher. God followed him into abandonment. Lazarus was dead in a sealed tomb when he heard a voice and looked over his shoulder and he Realize Jesus followed me uh, even into death. Uh, Peter denied Jesus uh, and quit ministry to return fishing uh, when he heard his name uh, and looked over his shoulder and Jesus was standing on the shore. God followed him uh, in spite of his failure. I want to tell somebody here today, you can't run far enough uh, that Jesus won't find you. You can't go to a bar room. Uh, you can't go to a club. Uh, there's no hotel room. Uh, there's no needle in your arm. There's no divorce court. There's no adultery. There's no pornographic addiction. There's no mistake. There's no crime that you could ever commit that would run Jesus off. But I feel the anointing of the shepherd that's leaving the 99 and he's on his way to that one. Come on, you ought to thank God in this house. He never left you.
You want to know why I'm preaching to you here today? Because I'm the product of a broken home. And when I was 15 years old, backslid and away from God, I was in a car wreck I should have died in. And if I would have died in that car accident, I would not have made it to heaven. But when the vehicle stopped flipping and I pulled myself from the metal, I looked over my shoulder and guess who was there? It was Jesus. You want to know why you're here today? He never left you. He won't give up on you. You might have given up on yourself, but Jesus will always reach for you. Somebody praise him in this house. I'm telling you, God's reaching for somebody in this room. You feel like your failure is too great for God to forgive you. But you don't get to decide the proportion of bloodshed that covers your own life. Only God can decide the bloodshed that covers your life. And just when you don't think there's enough blood from the Lamb for that sin, God says, if you'll just repent, I'll show you how much blood I've still got. So I have a, I have a close friend who's quite a bit older than me and he's the prayer coordinator at my home church back in Louisiana. He was raised in truth. And somewhere along the way, he backslid and got away from God. And today you'd never know the past that this man has. He's one of those people that you meet and you can just tell that they walk with God in a very deep and in a very special way. But when he backslid and got away from God in his younger years, he was addicted to just about every kind of drug you could imagine. Acid, cocaine, heroin, pills, alcoholic. He was so far away from God that when the anniversary of Woodstock came, He and a bunch of his friends went on a several day binge and were awake for days to go to that anniversary of Woodstock. And he told me that no matter how far away he got from God, he said God just would not leave him alone. He said, I can remember. He told me this story. He said, I can remember on Sunday nights when I was backslid. I would take my truck and I would park it across the road from the church. And he said, I would get as drunk and high as I possibly could to try and drown out the pain in my life. He said, but I'd roll the window of my truck down and I could hear the preacher preaching. I could hear the choir singing. I could hear the hands clapping. I could hear the beating of the drum. And he said, no matter how high or drunk I was, the Holy Ghost would feel the cab of that truck. And he said, tears would flow down my face. And he said, right then I knew I can't run away from this God that is following me. I'm here to tell somebody, you can't run from him. He's with you at your job. 
He's with you at the mall. He's with you in Walmart. He's with you when you're saying what you shouldn't say. He's with you when you're looking at what you shouldn't look at. He's with you when you're going where you... You know what I need in this house right now? I'm reaching for that one lost sheep. I'm looking for that one lost coin. But I need the other 99 found sheep to rally with me right now. I said I need the other 99 found sheep to get a burden for a lost sheep in this house right now. Let's lift our hands and let's pray. Come on. Come on, I can feel it in this room right now. You're saying, but Brother Herring, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've looked at. You don't know where I've been. You don't know who I've been hanging out with. You don't know what kind of substance i put in my body. You don't know what kind of baggage I've got. No, and I don't need to know. All I need to know is there's a holiday for you to celebrate. And it's the holiday of second chances. Anybody feel the love of God in this room right now? Come on, I came to build faith in somebody right now. You lost faith in repentance. But God's about to restore your faith in His mercy and His love for your life. If you just repent, you're one prayer of repentance away from God turning your life around. There's a Naomi in this house. There's a Naomi in this house. You've been down in Moab. You left full. But now you're empty. The world has drained you of everything. But in chapter 1 and verse 6 of Ruth, the Bible said that Naomi arose to get up from Moab. You know why she arose to get up from Moab? Is because all the way in another country she heard 
how the Lord visited his people with bread in Bethlehem. You know what that lets me know? That lets me know that no matter how far away Naomi got, God was going to let her smell the scent of fresh bread that he's got waiting for her. Back in the house of God, I want you to know if you've got plans to backslide and walk away, you'll be driving down the road and there's always going to be a billboard. You'll be walking in the aisle of Walmart and there'll be a face that you see that you used to go to church with. You'll be scrolling through Facebook and you'll see an ad for a church that's calling you back home. There's always an old song on the radio. There's always going to be a dream that you dream or a nightmare that you have that'll remind you He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Come on, you need to shout like you believe that. The world might have left you empty, but there is a God that still loves you. And so I ask myself in prayer, what do I say to the one that put a gun to their head before church because they feel like they failed God too much, but they decided to give it one more chance? What do I say to the single mother that's made a mess of her life and is raising those babies by herself? What do I say to the one that spent most of their life behind bars and you're here in church today? What do I say to the one your body is messed up because of the drugs? That's abused it over the years. What do I say to you? I'll tell you what I say to you. He loves you. He loves you. He... Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? You can't run far enough to escape the mercy of God. Let's lift our hands and let's pray. Come on, the mercy of God is reaching for you right now. Because you see, you see those men that were defiled by the dead body, they knew the 14th day of the first month was coming. They knew they had to prepare themselves to observe that Passover God told them to observe. In other words, they knew better. And they did it anyway. And so I'm not just preaching to the prodigal that came to church this morning. I'm preaching to the one that still looks the part. And somewhere along the way, you've fallen short of the glory of God. And it seems like the condemnation is that much more worse because deep down you're saying to yourself, I knew better. 
You say, well, preacher, you don't know how long I've been struggling with this problem. You say, Brother Herring, it's not just a one-off, but it's over and over. I'll repent and then I'll fall. I'll repent and then I'll fall. I'll repent and then I'll fall. Well, guess what? The good thing about the holiday of second chances is that His mercies are made new every morning. You might only celebrate your birthday one day a year. Christmas is only one day a year. Easter is only one day a year. But guess what? 365 days uh, there's a holiday for you to celebrate and it's the holiday of second chances oh does anybody feel the mercy of God flowing throughout this room right now you feel that You feel that? That's the arms of mercy wrapping around you. You feel that? That's a second chance coming to visit you. You feel that, sir? That arm you just felt on your shoulder. That's a second chance. You feel something in this room you didn't know you could feel. I want you to know it's not the high of a drug. It's not the adrenaline of running in the world. It's the love of God. Let's stand and let's lift our hands and our voices and let's let God know we believe in your mercy, God. Musicians, you can get ready to come. Thank you. I feel like the devil's about to have a bad morning in this house. Because just when he thought he was going to make you quit, there's a preacher that came by and said, there's a holiday to celebrate. It's the holiday of second chances. If you haven't got the point yet, let me reiterate. He loves you. He loves you. I said he loves you. You ought to shout in the devil's face right now and say there's no condemnation great enough to get me away from the blood of Jesus Christ. I wish there'd be a prodigal in this house. Uh, Maybe you're not a prodigal that walked away from the church. uh, But maybe you've been lost in the pew. Uh, Maybe you've got a failure in your life. uh, And you're saying, God, I know better. I wish you'd imagine the Father running towards you right now. Would you get out of your seat and meet Him halfway? Would you get out of your seat and run to this altar? I 
I need the other 99 that don't feel like they need this message. I need you to come rally around the one that does need this message. In other words, all the apostolics, I'm asking you out of your seat. There are sinners in this altar that need the Holy Ghost. We need the apostolics to help us right now. Come on, Moses. I'm asking everybody out of their seat. Everybody, would you come? Everybody, squeeze in around this altar. I'm asking everybody out of your seat, come around this altar. There's mercy for you here today. There's mercy for you here today. I know, I know that I'm somewhat known for being more on the militant side and confronting things in the spirit and being a challenger. But I want you to know just as strongly as I believe Acts 2.38, just as strongly as I believe the oneness of God. Just as strongly as I believe Jesus named baptism and holiness and separation from the world. Just as strongly as I believe and preach those things. I'm here to believe, let you know that I believe the mercy of God just as much as all of those things. So here it is. God speaks to him. And he says that lamb. That lamb's got to be perfect. A male one years old without blemish. No flaw. No imperfection. That's the lamb that's going to die. And that's the blood that's going to go on the lintel and the doorpost. But do you know what that means? That means every imperfect lamb got to live. A lamb with a flaw. A lamb with a flaw. Hear me. A lamb with a flaw was a lamb with a future. And you say, well, I've made too much of a mess of this thing. I've failed God too many times. Yeah, join the crowd. We all have. The only perfect lamb to ever live has already died for your sins. And when that blood was shed, that was God saying to the entire world and every person that would be born after, because of your flaw, you have a future. Every eye closed all over the house. Nobody looking around. Every eye closed. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to move quickly here and give some instruction. Every eye closed. Nobody looking around. If you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, 
with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you've never spoken in other tongues, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? If you're part of the ministry team, you can open your eyes and find somebody that has their hand raised. If you have your hand up, keep it up. There are several here that have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you had that hand up, I want you to raise it high. Some, I saw some of you put your hand down. Keep that hand up. Raise that hand. We got two right here. We got, we got two over here on my right, your left. Here's what we're going to do collectively as a body. Collectively as a body. We're going to repent together. But when you repent, I want you to understand, if you don't hear anything I have said today, I want you to hear this. When you repent, as soon as you repent and ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, He wipes His memory of every sin you committed before that moment. My birthday is on October 29th. On my birthday, when someone gets me a gift... I don't pay for that gift. Somebody else paid for it. Whether or not I feel worthy of that gift matters not. A price has already been paid for it. All I have to do is receive it. And so whether or not you feel worthy does not matter. There's already been a price paid for the gift of the Holy Ghost. All you have to do is receive it. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith and here's what I'm asking from every person in this room. Whether or not we want to admit it, what was preached today applies to every single person here. Bar none, no exceptions. Myself included. So here's what I need from this local assembly. You may not feel like you're the one lost coin. You may not feel like you're the one lost sheep that's going to stray. But that one lost sheep needs the 99 to rally behind it. That one lost coin needs those other nine that are safe in the possession to rally behind it. When that prodigal son came home, there was a party thrown. We don't need older brother mentalities in this room. I need this church to rally behind every lost soul in this room. And I want you to pray like you were the one that was up here looking for the Holy Ghost. I want you to pray like it's your boy or your daughter up here needing the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And when I count to three, I want this church to erupt and lift your hands and lift your voice. We're going to repent first. But when I count to three, I want you to lift your hands and lift your voice and just begin to cry unto the Lord. If you do not have the Holy Ghost, if you've never spoken with other tongues, when I say three... And you lift your voice. What's going to happen is your tongue is going to begin to move in a way you don't understand. As these ministers lay their hands on you, your tongue is going to move in a way you don't understand. When you feel that, I want you to open your mouth and just blurt it out. You're not going to understand it, so don't even try. Are you ready? Every hand raised, every eye closed. Let's repent. Apostolics, I need you to set an example. Let's repent. If you don't know how to repent, say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all of my sins. Say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. Say, I want the Holy Ghost.
Say, I need the Holy Ghost. Come on, I need you to lift your voice in this house. Come on, that godly sorrows work in repentance. You feel dirty. You feel unworthy. But when your heart condemns you, God's greater. All right, here's what we're going to do. If you just repented of your sins, when I pray the prayer of faith, you're not going to beg God for the Holy Ghost. You're not going to say, God, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve it. You're not going to beg God to forgive you of your sins again. He's already forgiven you. It's your new birthday. You're going to be born again. And the Holy Ghost is the gift He's going to give you. Are you ready? I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And when I count to three, this place needs to erupt. With a shout unto the Lord all over this house. Are you ready? Every hand raised, every eye closed by the authority of the Word of God. In the power of the name of Jesus, I find condemnation and shame. I command the lie of the enemy to be silenced. Your failure is not final. But there is mercy for you. There is grace for you. I lose the love of God in this house. Because perfect love casts out fear. And I command every person in this room, receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. One two three go go yeah,